I went to the racetrack once and I bet on a horse. Those people who know me might be a little bit surprised about that, but I really did. I learned to read the race sheet. And then I compared the track conditions to the track conditions the horses were used to running in. And I looked for other characteristics and statistics that could tell me more about the horse and the jockey. And then I placed a massive $3 bet. And I won. And not only that, I won the next one or two. So far, I was up about $40, if I remember correctly. And then I started to lie to myself. I convinced myself that looking at the data on the sheet would tell me the likely outcome of the next race. And so I continued to bet. And after losing a bit of money, I saw what I was doing and I called it a day. My betting days were over an hour or so after they got started. As any data scientist will tell you, the data only reflects what was true at a certain moment in time is not a guarantee of what's going to happen. This is hardly news. What was news to me is how skillfully I could lie to myself in such a short period of time. And it's just as true how easily we can be lied to, especially if we can't control the data that comes in. As we say, the numbers don't lie, but people sure do. And people lie about numbers. The numbers of the COVID-19 ill and dead are horrifying in this country and throughout the world. It's hard enough to know how to properly count mortality rates, but common sense says that even someone who had a comorbidity and died of COVID-19 is not really any different than someone who had cancer and died in a car accident. Even with a comorbidity, they still died of COVID. I know why people are trying to say they didn't die of COVID, because it keeps the numbers down. They think they'll somehow be protected. And then, of course, we have the evolving story of the willful concealing of numbers. The deception works on people for a moment and then inevitably bubbles forth when the truth can't be concealed anymore. Skewing numbers may convince people that everything is safe, but when they start collapsing on the street with some dying, that's probably a pretty good indication that the strategy failed. Last October, my wife and I spent a couple of weeks in Iceland, a place where we had never been. We wanted to see the glaciers and the volcanoes and experience the surreal place that is Iceland. It was a magnificent trip. And it was only late in the trip that I was researching some of the geology of the country. To visit Iceland is to lie to oneself in a fashion. Volcanoes are alive and they are dangerous. The ground boils in places. The glaciers are moving. And to my surprise, more than 500 earthquakes were recorded in Iceland alone in one of the weeks that we were there. Naturally, we don't think of the hazards when we travel. We certainly didn't when we travel to that magnificent country. And we don't think of those issues when we live there. The geological processes are generally too slow. They're too insignificant to take notice of. Except, of course, when and if we get caught in the middle of it. 
Skewing the numbers of this virus, lying to ourselves, and taking every effort to mislead is one of the ways how we most certainly are not going to get out of this mess. The most insane part is that all of those states in a rush to reopen and all those people just dying to get their haircuts will be the very ones to see if the state should have opened or if they should have had that haircut. They are the very ones that may get sick in a week or two. The truth won't become evident in five or six years. We won't have to wait that long. We'll have to wait five or six days. And when the truth emerges, as it always does in this kind of rapidly evolving situation, those who lied to themselves before may change their tune. I'm thinking of the people like the man in Georgia who denied, denied, denied until he almost died, died, died. Many, interestingly, though, will not. Because after the pain comes the justification. And after the justification comes the excuse. I suppose it's because people have a pretty hard time admitting that they were wrong. Some, of course, do, and some simply won't. There's a verse in Leviticus that sums up the lies we tell ourselves or tell others or the denials that so easily roll off our lips. The verse says, So if you don't speak Hebrew, it means do not put a stumbling block before the blind. Well, that's pretty much a no-brainer. So why was it put in the Torah? First of all, even though we think it's a no-brainer, there are still plenty of people who are intentionally cruel. And I guess if you were to stop there and convince yourself that you are never intentionally cruel, then you have somehow fulfilled the commandment. Now, that's the way a five-year-old reads the Torah. It is more fitting to look at the commandment and to understand it more broadly. To put a stumbling block before another is to create a situation or an environment where another person can be manipulated without regard to their life. You know, like spilling out misleading data where people might think it's safe to go and mingle with others while the virus is still alive and multiplying. Or maybe a stumbling block that trips up an entire community, like a church, a synagogue, or a mosque. Those leaders, and I put that in quotes, are themselves the stumbling block, who think that the power of the divine will somehow keep them safe. Yeah, many of them got sick and died. I guess COVID didn't study theology. Our self-created stumbling blocks are incessant lies to ourselves that we can outsmart the virus or that some ethereal outside source is trying to repress our right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness or something like that. But in two weeks or so, more and more numbers will come in. Like a bad zombie movie, we can pretend we aren't seeing what we're seeing. Maybe we'll tell ourselves of our own Superman immunity. Our religious friends who believe they are immune certainly told themselves that. Their cemetery plots beg to differ. Or maybe we'll tell ourselves that there really aren't that many zombies. But if you know how all these movies end, and I certainly do since I've seen every single one of them, I think, 
they always end with the survivors being the surrounded by the inexorable horde of zombies. And we hear one of the characters scream, followed by the screen going dark as the movie ends. Or, more sinisterly, leading us to think that the good guys finally got away, only to be accosted at the very last moment of the movie, when we see the zombie reaching out to grab the good guy just before the screen goes dark. Either way, the movies end the same way. In my metaphor, the zombies represent the truth. The truth exists even if you want to bury it. But the truth and real numbers will keep coming and coming and coming, no matter what strength or strategy is used to keep it buried. The stumbling block which others think is impenetrable is really just made of sand. And the truth which we have tried so hard to avoid and ignore will keep battering it and us without stopping. The price we pay for the lies we tell ourselves and the lies we believe wittingly is another tragedy in this 95,000 dead American pandemic. And that is a price that so many are going to continue to pay. But, hey, just as long as the numbers look good, right? Right? 